on this episode of The Kinked Wire. One of the big organizations or groups of people, stakeholders that really change things in terms of education for sure, are medical students themselves. Welcome to The Kinked Wire, the international radiology podcast from SIR's IR Quarterly Magazine. You can learn more at our website, surweb.org slash kinkedwire. And this episode is brought to you by Boston Scientific. Learn more at bostonscientific.com slash IO. In this episode, Kink Wire host Warren Graykopf speaks with interventional radiologist Jean LeBurge about the IR residency, from its early conception to its current implementation. Well, thanks. I'd really like to thank you for being here and to just say that this is really kind of an honor for me, I have to say. Um, I don't recall ever having had the opportunity to meet you and there's certainly a lot I want to talk to you about, and I think we could turn this into a 24-hour session and still leave things uncovered. But I wanted to just start real briefly with, you know, it's it's a, certainly a very strange time in healthcare, certainly a strange time for the world. How are things going where you are now in terms of COVID? And what's your sort of 30,000-foot snapshot take on that for now? I am uh, a person at risk being over 65. It's hard for me to believe that I am, but I am over 65 now. So I'm shut in in my house and uh, have been only out hiking and backpacking and doing those kind of things. I haven't really even been into the hospital because, um, you know, I had hoped to do a lot of teaching and continue to do um, some things at UCSF in terms of research, but because of the COVID, that's really limited my ability to get out. So it really has been a very bizarre experience, but I hope in the future that I'll have a little bit more of an opportunity to participate in some of the IR aspects of being an emeritus professor, although I do enjoy the non-medical aspects of getting out. I've had a lot of opportunities to go mountain climbing and hiking and doing all sorts of things that I didn't have time to do before, so a mixed That's bag. Great. Like everything, I suppose, there's always a a bright side to things. And certainly teaching, you mentioned, and um, it would really be impossible to have this conversation and not talk about the IR residency and teaching and and so on. And really, a couple things come to mind. But uh, one of the things that a lot of us would be interested in hearing is the genesis of the IR residency, but also sort of the process that you went through. And obviously, several organizations were involved and lots had to happen. It's been pointed out the average IR resident now may not know any of that. You know, they may just say, okay, I'm, here I am doing what I'm doing. Um, what, what was the experience? What happened? Thank you for asking, Warren. It was an incredibly interesting process and I learned a lot. There's a lot that I learned about the way medicine works from going through this process. Nobody ever told me about any of that. The first thing I would say is that it's amazingly easy or possible to contribute to changing your specialty or making changes to your education, that the system really allows doctors to participate. And it's really a a physician-led process. So that's the first point I would make, particularly as it applies to the future of IR, is that residents in particular or young doctors should know that if they want to change things or if aspects of IR change that require changes in education or credentialing, that it's really quite possible for you as an individual or or participate in an organization to help and change that. 
but you need to kind of know how the system works. So what I learned is that there are really three organizations that control what a doctor is, how a doctor is defined, and even what they do and how they get paid. And those are the professional organization that people belong to. In this case, for IR, it would be the SIR. The board credentialing process, then in our case, the American Board of Radiology, or what's called the ABMS. And then the third organization is the one that kind of is involved in the teaching, and that would be the ACGME of the RRC. And all three of those organizations really are interested in making sure that the specialty thrives, and in particular that patients are well cared for. So if you participate in those three organizations, you could really get a lot done. The kicker on this, though, is that it's not only these physician-led organizations, but there are some kind of realities of finance and business that come into play. So the other kind of organizations or people that were really important as stakeholders in any change that you go through are the people that control the finances and the medical practice governance, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we really needed to reach out to hospital administrators and uh, people that control funds for uh, residents and uh, department heads and group practice leaders for people in private practice to make sure they understood what was going on and that any change that we conceived of was actually feasible and doable for them and that they bought into it. And then surprisingly for me, one of the big organizations or groups of people, stakeholders that really change things in terms of education, for sure, are medical students themselves. You know, medical students Mm. as a group hold huge amounts of power. And what medical students think uh, really motivates a lot of people in this whole um, situation. But medical students are not a group of people that as interventional radiologists, we naturally know how to communicate with. So one of the struggles in this was creating bridges and communication techniques to get to explain to these other non-physician stakeholders, you know, what we were doing and why we're doing it and that it would actually be good for them. And that was, I think, the key to our being able to make some progress in changing both the certification and the training program for IR. So it was a complicated set of things that we had to do that we kind of learned as we're going along. But one thing I would like to emphasize, particularly for medical students or residents listening to the podcast, is that if you want to make a change, particularly with this new residency and how it works, it's really possible to get in there and and make some changes if you participate in the system. I think that's, first of all, a fascinating story. And and the last point you made is is particularly uh, useful, I think, because, you know, I know it wasn't that long ago that I was a medical student and a trainee, and I did not feel that I was a key opinion leader or had any power or or, or anything. And and I think that had perhaps more to do with me and the era in which I trained than anything else. But I think, you know, from what you're saying, I think one of the take-home messages is to realize as a medical student and a trainee that you are empowered to help make your future and uh, I think for all the younger folks listening, that's that's a great lesson for them, for sure. There's one other point that really struck home in this whole process is that, you know, the role of a doctor really is to care for patients and the healthcare system as a whole. And if you're introducing a change that is clearly going to be better for patients, that is the one thing that everybody will agree with. And that if you could show that whatever you want to do is going to be clearly much better for individual patients, then you have a very winning argument. 
Now, obviously, any change like a certification change or a, a training program change carries with a lot of other implications. You know, their financial aspects, their political aspects. But everybody does come to understand that patient care is why we're all here. So the strongest arguments that we made to win this over was the clear benefit of the new training program and the new certification program in managing patients that are treated by interventional radiologists. And that I found to be heartening. You know, we had all sorts of arguments about everything, but in the end, the argument that this was better for patients and that it will be better for trainees was a very winning argument. And it is heartening to hear that, you know, putting the patient at the center of the process still gets us places as a society or as healthcare providers. You know, I, I feel uh, in some ways overprepared because we've got a great group of folks who come up with questions. And then I know you sent me a wonderful slide deck as well. And you've put a question on there. Will the IR residency be a success? And I'd, I'd like to hear what you say about that. But I have sort of a different take on it as well is how will we know when? You know, when will it be baked in the cake in the sense that, oh, you're a surgery resident or, you're, oh, you're an OBGYN, oh, you're an IR resident? Now, Warren, that's a really interesting, what are the uh, criteria by which you judge uh, success and how do you evaluate it? That is a really interesting aspect of this whole process that I've come to realize is that within these organizations, there's no mechanism to try to sort out whether the changes we made are useful or not. You know, you would think that the American Board of Radiology would be looking closely at metrics to see whether mm -hmm. after all of this trouble, people are better doctors or there is better patient care or people are happier with the system. Similarly, on the ACGME perspective, you would hope that they would go back and look to see are things any better than they were before we all started this. But there's no real mechanism for that, as it turns out. And that's the that's way that physician-led organizations tend to work. You know, one of the things I realized is that what these organizations do is dependent on the people that are populating the organizations at the particular time. And those <laughs> people move on. And they're usually, for the SIR leadership, there's like, what, a five-year rotation where you work your way up and then you're gone. And mm -hmm. each new group of people that are leading these organizations have their own particular interests and want to make their own particular mark on the society or the organization. So there's not too much follow-up. And that's why I think that one of the challenges for the residency is to have somebody kind of take charge of it. Like, who is in charge of the future of the residency? Well, there's nobody really in charge of the future of the residency. There are all these people that are interested. There's the SAR, the ABR, the RRC, uh, department chiefs. All sorts of people are interested in what happens and want it to be a success. But there's really not anybody that's controlling it. Which is why I would suggest that the residents, the medical students, the young doctors now are really the ones that are affected by it. And they're the ones that should be monitoring it and deciding what happens. And the other point to make is that this is not a fixed deal that is done now and will never be changed. One of the things I realized in this process is that IR is always changing. And we're mm -hmm. very focused on the IR. But the other thing I realized is that what IR did 
is what all specialties are going through. Medicine these days is just constantly evolving. Huge changes, as you you know alluded to earlier, are happening. And so it will be necessary for IR to change within the scope of these organizations over time. So what I think is critical is that the young people involved monitor the situation. So if residents don't think that the education is what they want or if they want it to be better in some way, they should make sure that they make that known to the powers that be and that they realize they'll have a a way to change. And so I think that what we've seen so far is that in general, the system works you know, that it's feasible to run it this way, that all these different options are legitimate and that things will work out in general, which is something, you know, we didn't know when we started this process. But how it works out, you know, whether the independent or the integrated residency is really the better way to go and how to tweak it and change it to make it better are things that people that are living in the experience right now need to kind of process and try to make better as things go on. Getting to your earlier point about, you know, sort of empowering yourself if you're a trainee to change your specialty for the better. Given where we are and it's sort of accepting maybe this iteration of the IR residency that exists right now, how does that match with where you were in the planning process? Is this pretty much what you expected or are there surprises for you? Well, interestingly, when we first got started with this, we anticipated that a minority of training programs would want to undertake a integrated program and that most of them would like to just continue with a postgraduate fellowship style uh, program like the independent program. And it turns out there was a lot more interest in the integrated program than anybody had thought to begin with. You know, the problem, the real hurdle with the integrated program is it posed a much more difficult financial problem in terms of just how to pay for these people. And and so I think that was the major limiting constraint. But despite that, quite a significant percentage of the programs were able to figure out how to structure an integrated program. It is interesting how some of these things, you know, tend to work out. You know, oftentimes the blueprint in the the house don't exactly line up 100% based on a variety of factors which we may not have control over. And speaking of things that we don't have control over, uh, at the outset, you had mentioned for a variety of reasons, you're, you know, you're not obviously practicing clinical IR now. Do you miss it? Are there things you miss? Are, are there things you're happy you don't have to do that anymore? Or how, how Oh, I miss it. yes, I definitely miss it. You know, I've been retired now for about a year. And I guess the things I miss most are direct patient care, being mm. able to, to see patients every day and do something positive for them. And uh, sometimes in very small ways and sometimes in, in very life-changing ways. And that you know, it's a real thrill, a blessing to be an interventional radiologist and be able to do that for patients. And the other thing I miss is interacting with young people, teaching and learning things from them and being constantly surprised by the things they come up with and their enthusiasm <laughs> and new ideas and things like that. So that's why I hope to um, have some role in teaching as time goes on, because I really appreciate getting to meet and be inspired by all these young physicians coming through. For sure. In terms of as we, you know, unfortunately have to start winding things down here, you, you alluded to this a little bit before, but how do you see things for IR in the future? 
there's been a lot of emphasis on the new residency and on the new certification and on patient care and the IR's role in taking care of patients, managing patients, and being at the table in terms of decision-making. And that was all really important, and that really was the impetus for all of the IR residency. But what is at the core of interventional radiology really is the innovation and procedural expertise that we bring to the table in terms of our ability to treat patients and do things through the procedures that we do and the innovation that we come up with and, and being really quite imaginative and, and how to take care of patients for whom there are no good solutions at the current time. And that's sort of when I look back in my career in interventional radiology, what really the hallmark of IR was being the one of the few uh, sections in the hospital that people would come to when they couldn't figure out how to manage their patients, that somehow we would come up with innovative new ways of doing things that really stretch the boundaries of what's possible in medicine. And I think that we shouldn't lose sight of that, that we should try to nurture imagination and innovation in our young trainees to have them think outside the box. You know, as an older doctor, I got kind of peeved sometimes when the young people would think out of the box because, you know, I know that sometimes that's dangerous and uh, you kind of get set in your ways and you know what will work and you're interested in making sure that things are successful without any complications and all of that. But really what drives the future of medicine is people being able to think beyond that and think of what could be better rather than, you know, how we could do the best at what we know how to do is how could we do even better by thinking of new things. And I think that's really what the core benefit of IR is and that it's really unique. What we do touches so many different specialties and involves so many different aspects of medicine that it really offers great potential for improved patient care. So I guess that's the one thing I would like to leave with the trainees is that, you know, that is really what interventional radiology is all about. That's great. And it really kind of resonates with some of the things you mentioned earlier about uh, trainees empowering themselves and, and having a choice that if a trainee does think outside the box uh, that, hey, there may be a new technique on the horizon or, you know, may need some work and, you know, may need some modification, but there may be a different way to approach things. And that's really, I think, a wonderful way for trainees to think about training. And really, as, as you pointed out, for all IRs, you know, so many people, I think, are drawn to IR because of that outside the box mentality. As we close up here, one thing we do like to ask all our guests is, is sometimes the hardest question to answer, but if you had it within your power to change one thing in healthcare as it stands right now, what would it be? What would you change? I think my response is somewhat influenced by the fact that I'm now retired and I'm a <laughs> Medicare beneficiary. Okay. And I can tell I can tell you <laughs> that the finances of healthcare are just so complicated. You know, the SIR has a workshop for people thinking about retirement and uh, what they need to know about their healthcare finances. It's incredibly complicated. And uh, having been in the system now, you know, fortunately, I was in an academic institution where I was shielded from a lot of the complexities of healthcare finance. But that is without a doubt the overwhelmingly number one uh, problem that faces healthcare in the United States is just sorting out the healthcare finances and how to make it reasonable and easy for people to get healthcare in the United States. I have no idea how to do that. And fortunately, as an interventional radiologist, that's not my area of expertise. <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. But uh, 
you know, hopefully there's some smart people out there that could figure that out. But as far as practicing in a, as a doctor and a specialty, you know, I'm just so appreciative that I got to spend my career as an interventional radiologist. I mean, it was just an amazingly fun, interesting occupation. And I hope young people that are listening have a similar experience. And when they're 67 years old, they could look back at their career and with the same fondness that I do. That's really wonderful. And, you know, at least from what I'm hearing, it, it sounds like uh, the career is still going. It's just changing into something a little bit different and, and you'll continue to inspire and teach. And there'll be a lot of really lucky IR people out there who will be the recipients of it. So I'd really like to thank you for being here and I, and I wish you all the best and thank you again. Thanks very much, Warren. That was Dr. Jean LeBurge talking about the IR residency, the power of trainees to affect change. Learn more about it, enhancing your residency's curriculum at surweb.org slash essentials. We thank Dr. LeBurge for her time, Boston Scientific for supporting this episode, and you for listening to The Kink Wire. Our host is Dr. Warren Krakoff. Our editor is Dr. Jamin Shaw. Our production manager is Dr. Jason Fisher. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or ideas for us, drop us a line at irq at surweb.org.